George Affleck in for Mike Smith today and tomorrow, and it's time for Baldry's Beat. Lots to talk about today. Hi, Keith. Hey, George. How you doing? Good. So this just came in. Greyhound buses shutting down in Canada. But this is not huge news for BC because we don't really have it in BC. Yeah, so this just follows, uh, I think, the, the inevitable path they were on. They, they started, they, of course, they shut uh, bus services down in BC well before the pandemic back in 2018. Uh, they shut down the bus service on Vancouver Island, which I've taken from time to time from <laughs> the good Victoria to <laughs> and also the northern routes. And now they've cut basically all their operations in Ontario and Quebec, so they basically ceased to exist. I think the pandemic worsened what, what was a deteriorating economic situation for that company as bus travel just uh, became almost a thing of the past for so many. But it is a hardship for a lot of um, remote, remote communities yeah. that depend on buses mm-hmm. to get around. And uh, so, again, it's another blow for the small communities. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what other provinces do. I know that we this was a big story back in the day, and I'm, you know, looking at trying to figure out what, what did we do to replace Greyhound when, when it happened up north? Because when I, I would have lived up in Prince George, and that's how you kind of got around up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I think there was a, a private company stepped in and formed a, a northern yeah. bus uh, situation, as uh, did one on Vancouver Island. There's a Tofino bus service. Right. On Vancouver Island, that does service uh, communities, but again, you know, patchwork. The patchwork, exactly. I remember, you know, as a kid taking Greyhound, Greyhound buses, uh, the terminal there at uh, at um, the Main Street uh, CN yeah. rail station, and they would be regular, almost hourly uh, departures for various places. And then, it's, and now with these smaller companies, I assume, have maybe one um, or two trips uh, a week. I had a friend in the 80s who there was this deal that she, you could get in the States and you get $500 for 30 days of nonstop travel on a Greyhound anywhere in North America. And she went crazy. On 30 days, she traveled all over the place. And I'm like, what, are you crazy? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it was, uh, again, it was a form of travel that is sort of old-fashioned. As a kid, we went to Disneyland. Our parents' car blew up at the border. Just, so we ended up taking a Greyhound bus all the way from Vancouver to Anaheim. Uh, Whoa! Overnight, yeah. Uh, so oh. that was, uh, but that was just seen as a normal way of travel. Those days are long gone. Yeah. All right, uh, AstraZeneca. What mm-hmm. is going on here? Uh, holding back? We're not. I'm, what's what's happening? Yeah. So we don't have much AstraZeneca uh, on hand in BC. We got three hundred seventeen thousand doses as mm-hmm. of yesterday, according to the Center for Disease Control website. We had administered two hundred seventy thousand of them. So we got about forty, almost fifty thousand doses left over. Presumably, our share of the allotment that's coming to Canada, Canada next week will be about 90000 So right now, no, unless you've got an appointment already booked in a pharmacy with AstraZeneca, no more AstraZeneca doses will be administered as first doses. They're all going to be saved as second doses. Okay. So the 270,000 people, which include me and you, mm-hmm. um, we're going to be getting our second dose probably sooner than four months because... All, all the AstraZeneca that comes in is going to be reserved as second doses. And since only 270,000 people got first doses, the amount of second doses that are, that are going to come in are going to exceed, presumably or likely, will exceed that 270 fairly quickly, which means we can get our second dose uh, quicker than the, um, does the, that, the Pfizer. Does that mean they're going to let stuff expire, though? I mean, that seems crazy I, to me. That that's I don't happen. think so, but uh, there is an expiry date, if you recall, but... but more than a month ago, a couple months ago, there was a concern that our AstraZeneca that was on hand right. had an expiry date, and it was something like 35,000 doses, and we had to get those 
into the arms of people as quickly as possible, and we did. And because, again, I don't think they, we're going to allow these doses to expire because I think they're going to be held back, although they are going to be held back, as second doses. And that, does, that means not waiting four months. I think it, it could be conceivable that some of the AstraZeneca second doses could occur a month after the first dose. All right, so good news for you and me and people who are in their 50s and up pretty much, some people in their 40s, but uh, but mainly those people who got those shots uh, mm-hmm. about starting April 1st, I think it was around there. So Trudeau, this is an interesting story that came out this morning. Trudeau is off the hook, but Morneau, not so much. Yeah, so the uh, the um, commissioner, ethics commissioner found that um, Bill Morneau had broken the Conflict of Interest Act, uh, but the prime minister had not. So the prime minister has been cleared. Morneau was uh, found to have been in contravention, but Morneau's gone. I mean, the, so there's no the repercussions, right? Yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's embarrassing for Bill Morneau, but he's no longer part of the government. Uh, Trudeau was a sigh of relief. Not that I don't uh-huh. think he was particularly worried about this, but. Uh, finding someone in uh, in contravention when they're no longer in office is kind of a, a nothing event. Well, and he must have sensed that that might be the case, and that's why he bailed? I'm that could very well be. He, he could have realized he had stepped in it, and now uh-huh. was the time to bail. I mean, Bill Morneau is you know, independently wealthy. He didn't really need to be um, part of this. He had other things to do. Indeed, when he was minister... But politics was, is so much fun, Keith. Yes, Believe me, he, it's a like great way to spend your retirement. He was criticized for not really being a politician. He was always nice. sort of this uh, wealthy person who came into the into the game and not had not really connected on a political level. But now he's been found you know, in contravention of that of that particular piece of legislation. But, but again, the stakes are kind of minimal since he's out of public office. Yeah. So cases, 600, 600 cases yesterday? Um, yeah, a little higher than our daily yeah. average. But um, again, the number of people in hospital continues to decline for the most part. Um, what's not, you have to, so this information is available, you have to go and search it. The number of people going into hospital is not reflected in the daily hospital mm-hmm. number. We were approaching almost 400 people a week going into hospital a couple of weeks ago. That was our peak. But now, uh, last week, we were down to 218 people, so almost cut in half. And, and that's very good news when we re- see the reduction in the number of people going into hospital and the number of people going to ICU, even though right now it's still high, it's nowhere near as high as it was a couple of weeks ago. So I think we are, we've peaked, our third wave has peaked, and we're now going down. But the question is, will we be at a position um, where the numbers are low enough to reopen post-Victoria Day weekend? Mm-hmm. I would think we're not going to be there. George, no, I, I think I, we're I, still looking at June, uh, potentially, yeah. to relax these measures, because I don't think, you know, our, our rolling case number is around 600, our yeah. average. Um, I'd say we have to get down to 200 or so to get uh, yeah, to I th- Yeah, it's somewhere much lower than that. I don't think 500 is a, a comfortable level, which is where we're at right yeah. now. The, B- the BCCDC released some more data that, about hotspots, so we have some areas that we might see some massive vaccinations yeah. going on? Yeah, so what we're... Finally, the CDC is releasing what we call as granular local data, mm-hmm. which is, shows you... Um, within municipalities where, or in cities where the particular problems are by neighborhoods. So, again, in Surrey, it remains the north-central uh, area of Surrey. Wally and Newton have a disproportionate high number of cases, uh, high positivity rate of over 20%, and relatively low, low vaccination rates. Same as uh, with parts of East Vancouver and the Kensington area of Vancouver right. and central uh, Abbotsford is a concern. Huh. Golden, B.C., uh, Summerland, Summerland. In, the, huh. in the Okanagan. Uh, so these areas are, are targeted for special emphasis for vaccinations to get more people 
um, out with a shot in the arm. And that means people over the age of 18. There's no... There's, uh, There's no age limitations. No right. age limitation uh, for these areas, and they're being encouraged to get vaccinated as soon as possible. Having said that, by next week, there's not going to be age, any age limitations. We're going to be at a wide-open situation next week because we've got this month and next month <clears throat> 3 million doses coming in. And that means, you know, everybody get that dose as soon as you can. We hit the 50% mark yesterday of the eligible uh, mm-hmm. Um, audience, yep, but the first fifty percent, I'm told, it was going to seem to be a lot easier than the next forty percent. It's got, it's going to slow down. Yeah, you're seeing of, that in the states. That's yep. they're really having trouble with getting people to come in to get their second shot. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's we got a good registration sign up from young yeah. people, but not enough. So people, I, my kids are all excited. You know, my twenty year olds, they're all yeah. like, "Yeah, bring it on!" So bring it on. And they're going to get their dose next week. Cool. And it's, uh, I think people should register. Absolutely, get, on, register. get on the app, and that's even for your second dose, your first dose. Get on the app, and, yep. you get, and if you're in those hot spots, you'll find out real quick before we go to a break. And callers, Alberta BC border, we talked about, we heard about from. Farmworth, we've talked about it with uh, Kyla. The, the issue of uh, ticketing and all those things happening. No, it's uh, it, the logistics. I think are a bit problematic to police the Alberta border. Uh, right now, the roadblocks in Metro Vancouver are staffed by E Division. The RCMP detachments on the Alberta border are kind of small in, mm. in personnel and cars. <laughs> and I just think it's uh, not necessarily practical to put. Uh, to put roadblocks there the same way as we see at Manning Park and Boston Bar and, and right. uh, the Coquihalla. But uh, note that the Public Health Center for Disease Control document that came out the last couple of weeks, the, the weekly data report uh, specifically refers to concerns about Alberta travelers mm-hmm. coming into B.C. because the, num- the amount of COVID-19 in Alberta greatly dwarfs that of of British Columbia, and I know if you again look at a per capita basis, the the worst hit areas in BC include the border at the Peace River. Yeah, well, Golden, it's kind of Golden kind of is of on the border. It had been uh, the southeast corner, Revelstoke and, mm-hmm. and and Windermere and such. They've improved, but there's still some high cases along there, and that's likely the result of uh, back and forth travel with Alberta. George Affleck here with for, for Mike Smith with uh, Keith Baldry, my guest here, taking your calls. Keith is the legis- BC, Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief. We got Daryl from Coquitlam. Daryl, what's up? Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I just wanted to ask Keith that uh, following his uh, thoughts that the restrictions will not be lifted until sometime in June, does he believe that the Premier and the government uh, will continue to give more financial support that for businesses that are currently affected, gyms, trainers, indoor, in, in restaurant dining, people like the Arts Club, the Symphony, uh, Bard on the Beach. A lot of these people may not exist soon. So I'll hang up and, and, and get your thoughts. Thanks, Daryl. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good question. There's a new $100 million fund um, that's been established in the budget to uh, assist the tourism hospitality sector. Um, they haven't defined what uh, the criteria is going to be to see who's eligible for that money. It's a considerable amount of money. Um, I did a column this week about how the P&E, I think, qualifies for a right. bailout on this because it's a, a f- important part of the community fabric. Uh, for so long. But um, in terms of direct grants to individual businesses, there are various government programs that are available, and they will continue through this pandemic. There's a, there's a $6 billion in relief in the budget. So there's a lot of money going out the door to help businesses. But the callers raises very good points. Yeah. Many of these organizations literally need 
a form of bridge financing to survive to when they can reopen again because we're not going to see mass reopenings with huge crowds anytime soon and that those are the businesses going to be most adversely affected even when the measures are lifted sometime this summer it doesn't mean we go back to you know 10,000 people gathering in a place or even 500. Yeah and after the news we're talking to Sue Kafka from the Capilano Group and and she's in the hospitality and tourism sector and they're asking mm-hmm. we need a plan we need a roadmap and so yeah. we're finding like okay money's one thing but there's what, what's the what's the plan? Well the, the I think that some of the frustration is going to be that because we don't know everything for certain, there's not going to be a lot of detail in the in the reopening plan. Um, there still will be limits on gatherings. It's, it's just going to be larger than we have now, but it doesn't mean we're going to go back to 500 people being in a room to was, watch a movie yeah, or well, to watch a, a performance. I'm more hopeful. I'm looking at what's going on in the UK and the, the, their process, and I feel like once we get past a certain point that we might see more opening than we actually might have expected. I hope so. I hope you're right. All right, Dennis from West Van, what's your question? Morning, Keith and George. Morning. Um, when I'm looking at uh, your thoughts, Keith, in regards to you and George, the implementation of the passport, I think there'll be severe problem with jurisdiction and human rights and so on, and people that don't get vaccinated. I think that's going to be a huge mess when they start implementing that passport. All right, Dennis. Yeah, that's the passport thing, uh, Keith. I mean, the UK is launching one uh, this week. They're talking about their passport, and but everybody's saying, hold on, hold on. We need to have a unified pass. If we're going to do the passport for travel, we should be unified. But regional ones or, or in, in-country ones is a whole other oh, nightmare. A, a domestic passport is completely different than an mm-hmm. international travel passport. Um, no, I think there's obviously open to court challenges. Right. If we're to have domestic passports to limit your ability to go certain places, uh, and I, I'm not sure we're going to go there. I, I do think it's inevitable we'll have an international requirement for mm-hmm. vaccines because other countries are, are going to be requiring that. So it's, uh, it's really out of our hands on the international scene. But domestically, I'd be surprised if we see a, a form of domestic passport for vaccinations. All right, Lee from North Van. Lee up there. Lee, Lee, there. Lee from North Van. Yeah, go ahead. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I just have a question regarding... Um, Interprovincial travel, for example, Alberta to BC via air, and what sort of enforcements are being placed for that happening? And why I ask is I have a colleague of mine um, who is is from Alberta, and he comes here to work three weeks out of the month, um, two and then one week off, and then one week, anyways. And then his wife comes um, with his daughter every five weeks or so. So domestic so air comes. travel is the yeah. is the question. And how yeah. So. There's Thank no you. law against domestic air travel. You can fly from Calgary to Vancouver. Um, there's, a, there's a strong request or demand from public health, do not travel unless it's essential. If you try to travel by road uh, in highways, you will be ch- uh, stopped by the RCMP and you know ask some questions. That does not exist at the airports in terms of domestic travel, but there's not a lot of evidence that interprovincial travel is causing a lot of COVID-19 cases. If you look at the situation report every week from the Center for Disease Control, I haven't checked this week's, but last week, in one week, there were 4,000 COVID-19 cases, or almost, and 11 of those were attributed to interprovincial uh, travel. So there's not a lot happening, but it's, you know, it's not against the law to fly from Calgary to Vancouver. All right, thanks, Lee. Patrick, real quick, we got about 30 seconds. What's your question? Hi there. I'll just make it real quick. So my wife and I were one of the first people to get AstraZeneca in early March. We're both in our late 30s, had no reaction, no issues with it. Um, but we're not sure, one, whether we need to sign up for the app because the app wasn't yes. around then for sign our second it. shot. Sign up. And also the other thing is, have they said anything about whether if you've had your first shot, 
no issues with blood clots, nothing. If you're fine to get your second, or should my wife in her late 30s uh, all right, Patrick. wait and see what happens Thanks. with the mix? Thanks, Patrick. So you can get yeah. you can get your second AstraZeneca shot probably sooner than later because we're getting we're, we're we're sort of hitting the pause button on first doses, but we don't want to throw those dose those remaining doses out. So they'll be for second doses. You got yours in March. I would suspect you're going to get your second shot within a month. All right. Thanks, Keith. Thanks again. Right. We'll see you tomorrow.